Almost always on this podcast, we talk about what we as leaders need to do differently, right? In this episode, we are going to shift the spotlight to members of your team. And this is the big question that I want every member of the team to ask. Is it me? You know, am I as selfless as I should be? Am I as trustworthy as I should be? Am I as humble as I should be? Am I as positive? As, am I as respectful? Am I as great as I should be? I mean, it's that introspection. It's that commitment. That commitment by every member of the team has a huge impact on the performance of the team. Creating that kind of culture is what motivated Michael Rogers to write the book, You Are the Team. Six simple ways teammates can go from good to great. This is the class your business school didn't offer. It's the training your employer still hasn't provided. How do leaders like us get people to do what we need them to do so we can grow our results and live the life we desire? That's the question, right? This podcast contains the answers. I am Russ Hill, and welcome to Culture Hacks. On today's show, what I want to talk about is how what, what responsibility do members of the team have? You know, so much of our attention and time is spent talking to leaders. In fact, this show is designed for leaders. What do you need to do differently to more effectively influence the people on your team so that you're more efficient. You can increase the output. You can deliver the results that you're accountable for. But uh, the, the guest that I wanted to have on today is Michael Rogers. And Michael wrote a book um, a few years ago about, it wasn't aimed just at leaders, the person who's managing the team, but everyone on the team. So first off, welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Russ. Glad to be here. Um, we're, we're glad to have you. Talk to me for a second about why did you decide to write a book, not necessarily for the manager or the leader of the team, but for everybody who's on that team? Yeah, well, I, I found with the team that I was consulting with a number of years ago that it was a highly dysfunctional senior leadership team that every, when I went around and did the interviews with each team member and I asked them what's going on, what's going on with the team, they were pointing fingers at everybody except themselves. And so I created an assessment to give them that would force them to look inwardly, to introspect and to ask, you know, the question, is it me? Am I the problem with this team? Because none of them have really done that. They were pointing fingers everywhere else. And I got some feedback afterwards. I went to a couple of members of this team that I knew would give me honest feedback. I said, what do you think about that assessment? They said, well, I've never really thought about it that way. I didn't see myself as that. And it really, this, this assessment changed this team. And I, I thought, you know what? There's an area for this. Nobody's really writing about this uh, from a teammate's perspective. Lots of people writing from a leader's perspective, you know, as, as you mentioned, how to fix teams, um, create teams, build teams, whatever it might be. But nobody was looking at the teammate. And I thought, you know what? There's an opportunity here. So that's why I, I wrote this book. Yeah, we, we talk a lot with uh, the organizations, leaders that we work with as a firm about how it's so, you know, when we start talking about change, how we need to change, everybody, to your point, Michael, they're thinking, I really hope that Lisa's listening to what Michael's saying right now, or I hope John's listening. You know, we, we can pick out the people who need to listen or need to pay attention to, to, to the need for change. We're not often looking in the mirror. So how do you do that? How do you convince how do you convince people that, you know what, the change or the adjustments that are needed in order to make this team more efficient, more effective, increase the output, they need to begin here. They need to begin with me. Well, first of all, you read my book, 
right? <laughs> <laughs> as, as a teammate, that's the way I would look at it. And I, I, was, uh, I was talking to you a little bit earlier, Russ, about this when I wrote the book. Um, I, I, well, when I was thinking about writing the book and I gave my wife the idea, I said, what do you think, honey? And she said, well, if I was in a bookstore, I wouldn't buy this book. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure you, you wouldn't. But here's the thing. I'm marketing this to leaders. I want leaders to get this for their teams. And if they can get this for their teams and they can begin to live this culture, create a culture around these principles that I talk about in the book, and I've seen many teams do this, uh, they will be a more effective team, you know, by living these principles. Because, you know, the question, and this is a big question that I want every member of the team to ask, is it me? You know, am I as selfless as I should be? Am I as trustworthy as I should be? Am I as humble as I should be? Am I as positive? As, am I as respectful? Am I as great as I should be? I mean, it's that introspection. It's that commitment. It's about them committing and stepping up. And just one other thing around this, you know, when you look at a marriage, for example, and you have somebody in that marriage who is completely committed and the other person who's not as committed, it's not going to matter how much therapy or counseling that couple goes through. You're always going to have some level of dysfunction until that person, that partner in that marriage decides to step up and commit. And teams are no different because fundamentally at their core, they're about relationships. And so relationships are about connection. They're about commitment. And all the things that I talk about in this team pertain to that as a teammate. So reading the book, and adopting it as part of your culture is, is the fundamental way I see teams doing that to to change. So in the book, you 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 go through these what you call six B's, right? The things right. that each member of the team needs to be. Right. And uh, you've already mentioned a few of them. Um, and I, I want to actually, well, before we dive into some of them, because I'm anxious to ask you some questions about. Um, a few of them. We won't have time to dig into all six, I don't think, but there are a few that I actually, I absolutely want to ask you about. But let's, before we go there, where did you come up with those six B's? Why'd you pick those six? <laughs> yeah, because to me, they were, they, it was an exhaustive list. I mean, I, I remember writing down the 15, this is my wife again, right? And we're, we're, we're going to one of my son's basketball games in St. George, Utah. And as we're driving, I'm starting to think about this teammate concept. This because you know, based off this assessment, I, I knew that I had some content here that I wanted to share with the world. And I started thinking, what do good teammates have to have in place? So there's 21 different corresponding concepts that hang on each of these six Bs. So it's not just the six Bs. There's there's meat behind each of these these Bs as well. So. For me, that's how I came up with them. I, I just feel it's the most exhaustive list out there in terms of being a, a great teammate. I mean, it includes everything. If you've got other things, any of your listeners have other, other things, send me a note. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I, I just haven't found them. I think this is a pretty exhaustive gotcha. list. Well, I, I think if, 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 if most members of most teams got good at even two or two of the six, Right. We, we, we'd have a ton of progress. So let's dive into the first one, because this one I thought was so interesting that you started the book with it. You made it first. And I'm sure you did that intentionally. Be selfless. And I have to tell you, when I when I first read that, I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, selfless. OK, that stuff I read in religious literature, that stuff in self-help. But I don't often read selfless in a business book. Yeah. So talk to yeah. me about that. 
Sure. I, t- yeah, you're, and you're exactly right, Russ. It's the foundation. It's the, it's the core of teamwork, if you really think about it. Uh, it has to be more about them than it is about you. Even though I titled the book, You Are the Team, and maybe we could talk more about that here in a few minutes, why I titled it such. But, but teams at their heart, teams that are really good are selfless. They're more concerned about the team outcomes than they are their personal outcomes. And they're more concerned about each other than they are about themselves. It's really, it's if you think about servant leadership, which is something I'm really passionate about, my second book that I wrote is all about, um, this is this is servant teamwork in a way, is the way I look at this. It's just, it's thinking about others, connecting, creating those relationships, strengthening that communication, and building that that commitment so you can be as good as you can for the team. And so, you know, selflessness includes being being service focused. It includes putting others first. You know, putting the team first. But it also includes living what I call the platinum rule. And you know what the golden rule is. And some of your listeners have probably heard of the platinum rule. But the golden rule is treating others as you want to be treated. Right. And the platinum rule is treating others as they want to be treated. Again, it's a selfless thing. It's thinking about others. And there's all kinds of effects that happen on teams when you're truly purely selfless and you're serving others on the team. Yeah, I love the story. There, there's a lot in that chapter that I found super useful to think about. Yeah. Um, and and I, it's, well, before I go to the story that I want to ask you about, um, you, you've spent, before you were writing books and consulting and speaking on stages, Michael, you were working in corporate America, right? Right. Did you see a lot of teams where you would go, yeah, that team, they're pretty selfless or that team. That, did you see a lot of that in corporate America? Yeah, yeah. A- did absolutely. you really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw more teams that were probably selfish. Right. In other words, I think most people by nature are looking out for number one. But but I I feel like there were I mean, there were some teams that were selfless. I've consulted with teams that had a good portion of selflessness. I'm not saying they were completely purely selfless because there's definitely varying levels of selflessness. But yeah, I saw I saw different levels for sure, for sure. Good. Yeah, I, I I so often, you know, as we dig in um, as a firm with organizations, start working on the culture. One of the challenges is um, is what we talked about at the very beginning of this discussion, which is externalizing the need for change. Um, I, I'm out for what I, I you know, I, I'm interested in what I can do. And all I know is you aren't doing what you're not carrying your weight. There's so much blame going on, right? And and so much so much friction and so many challenges. I've had a dollar for every time I heard the word silo. You know, we're working in silos. These teams pitted against each other, and so there's uh, there's a lot there's a lot of selfishness, I think, um, sure. in organizations. And so I, I I thought it was a good reminder. Let me let me draw your attention because I want to get to a couple of the other bees here in, in a minute. But the Jerry Rice story um, about the Denver Broncos. That quote. You don't have to repeat it from memory, obviously, but can you just quickly remind the, the, the audience uh, or share the, what, what basically Jerry Rice said in this this interview? If, as I remember, it was an interview where he was being asked about Tim Tebow, right? 
by Tim Tebow. And he was asked if really their success that year could be attributed to team Tim Tebow or the defense or, you know, whatever it might be. And he said, that's a ridiculous question. <laughs> it's not just about Tim Tebow. It's not just about the defense. It's about the ticket takers, the fans, the coaches, the, the everybody, everybody that's involved with this franchise and organization. That's what helps us ultimately be successful. And yeah, yeah great quote around uh, what selflessness really means. And the sports world's a great place to go. Yeah. To see selfishness. If you think of the dream teams of the past, uh, the U.S. dream basketball dream teams, and the first couple, I believe, were very selfless, very team focused, and they were very successful. And other teams following, including, I think, our last, if I remember right, the last world championship, uh, we struggled a bit to even medal, if, if I'm, if I'm uh, mm -hmm. remembering rightly on that. But, but yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're not about the team and you're about yourself, then that's the result you get. It doesn't talent talent isn't the only indicator of a successful team. In fact, most of the things you do as a team aren't even related to talent as it pertains to being a teammate. It's about attitude, and this book is about helping you with that attitude and committing to have that kind of attitude. Yeah. All right. So we there, we we could spend the whole discussion right on selfless being selfless. Let's transition to the next one, which is trustworthy. Be trustworthy. Again, um, this is interesting. So often, th this is a word that stood out to me, trust, because when we when we ask leaders of organizations, what shifts do you need um, in, in your culture? Trust comes up every single time. We don't trust e each other enough. There's not enough trust. And so, it's interesting to approach it from the standpoint of be trustworthy instead yeah. of trusting others. So speak to me for a minute, Michael, if you would, about what have you learned or what counsel do you give uh, those that you consult and speak to about what does it take to earn trust and to be trustworthy? What does that look like? So it is interesting. Patrick Lencioni, probably many of your listeners have read his book, The Five Dysfunctions of the Team. Great book. Uh, and he talks about vulnerability-based trust. Um, he doesn't really talk a lot about what's called predictive-based trust. And those are more outcomes of the team. But here with trustworthiness, we're looking here, right? We're looking internally and asking, what can I do to get people to trust me more? You know, of course, honesty is one of those things. Research shows this is really interesting um, a piece of research that I have in the book says that on average, people are lied up to 200 times a day. I mean, that's that's a crazy number. And I always say, well, you can look at politics and you can probably get a lot of lies, lies just there, right? Or the media or television or whatever it might be. But we are lied to on average up to 200 times a day. So wow, that honestly, is yeah, isn't it crazy? When yeah. I first read that, I said, no way. But when I started thinking about it, you know, and the little half lies and the little exaggerated lies things that we leave out of a report to make ourselves look better than what we are, to shine more than what we really are shining, mm -hmm. um, to leave things out so that we don't look bad. I mean, there's just so many ways to not be honest, but the more transparent we are with others, especially our teammates, our leaders, the more trustworthy we become. But it's also about doing what you say you will do. Mm -hmm. And it's also about being, having the, being committed enough to be bold, direct, and honest, but respectful with others, to be able to have the tough conversations with teammates that oftentimes we kind of dodge. And, you know, it's funny, we, we find that the higher we go up in leadership, the more energy, there's research on this as well, the more energy, energy that is spent trying to dodge conflict. 
<laughs> and so if, 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 if you look at it that level and you're thinking down at this level with, with just teammates of, of teams, your teams that you lead, there's lots of dodging going on. But we can gain so many efficiencies if we will just make the commitment to be more, more direct, bold, and honest, but respectful with others. So that's yeah, there's 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 one line that I want that that I, I wanted to share with the audience in here. I mean, there's so many lines that you could share from from the book. One that stood out to me because I, I just underlined went, you know what, that is so true. Teams become this is what you wrote. Teams become successful when its members are willing to give difficult feedback, challenge each other, and boldly propose their own ideas. Right. That is so true. There are so many cultures, so many teams where the members on that team feel like, yeah, I can't do any of that. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a permission that you have to give to the team. And um, I don't think I specifically talk about it in this book because it is focused on the team A. Uh, but what leaders can do to facilitate that, and I do talk about that in Do You Care to Lead, my second book, which is to create norms. Give people permission to be bold, direct, and honest. And you're right. It's absolutely amazing when people feel they can be that way. You gain so many efficiencies. You know, you'll get the backdoor politics channeling, you know, that you get when people don't feel like they've, they've been heard because they weren't willing to speak up. But when you build trust on teams, then people will feel more inclined to do that. But you have to give them permission as part of that trust as well. Uh, but I do talk in there in the need for teammates to, I'm, I'm basically giving them permission in the book and hoping that as leadership teams and other teams go through this, that they'll give each other permission to do that. Right. Yeah. As the teammates um, kind of, as they give it to each other and they demand it, the leaders got to respond to that. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and we're getting, we're dipping our, our toes a little bit into the third B um, I, you know, some of the things you're saying fall under that category too, which is be humble. It's probably the last one we'll have time to talk about. Can we just spend a minute or two on that, um, sure. Michael, about be humble as a member of a team. What does that look like? Yeah. So it is about accountability. You know, obviously the, the ability to say, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake, but it's also more than that. It's, it's also your ability as a teammate to, um, admit to, to not only admit a mistake, but also to proactively seek feedback. <laughs> um, I worked, I've been working recently with the Southern Utah University football team on helping them build their culture. They have, they were really successful three years ago, the last couple of years, not so successful. So they brought me in as a culture coach, which has been a lot of fun until we just found out the season has ended in yeah. spring. <laughs> and I, I was sharing with the football players on one particular meeting that if they had this big green button, you know, that they could push and get instant feedback from that button to tell them what they're doing in terms of their performance, whether that be on the field, at practice, at in school, career-wise, if that button could give them the right direction to head, would that button be valuable? And of course, they all say yes. And would that button be worth a lot of money? I mean, you guys ever invent a button like that? You can make millions of dollars, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but we have that button to some degree. It's called asking. It's asking. When I was a leader in corporate, I used to, and I think you know, a lot of leaders do this, I would have my one-on-ones with those that my leadership team. And I would ask them at the end, what can I do better? How can I be a better servant to you? And of course, when you ask that question, most people are going to say, 
uh, or, or you know, they're going to say, ah, I think you're doing okay. You yeah. know, things they're going to opt out of it, right? They're going to take yeah, the way out. Yeah, we're going to take the easy way out. You're good. But what I started doing, and 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 I'll, I'll get to how this applies to teammates in, in a second here, is I started giving them things that I thought I could do better that I knew they probably thought I could do better, but they didn't have the courage to ask me. And so I said, what about this? And they would say, oh, yeah, I think you could do better there. <laughs> like, okay, cool. You know what? Next time we meet, I'm going to do better. I'm going to really work on this. And I want to give you a report. I mean, this is, I'm their, I'm their boss, right? I, I'm their leader. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling them I'm going to do this. And so we'd meet and I'd say, okay, this is what I did to improve. What do you think? And you know what? They started opening up more. Because they started trusting me more that I would do something with the feedback. Well, I start I, in the in the book. I talk about these teammate one on ones, and that's what I encourage teams to do. Is because I started doing this as well. I started holding one on ones with members of my team and asking what I can do better. Teammates, what can I do better? And I did the same process as I did as leader. I said, well, if they weren't giving me responses, I said, well, I, I could probably do better. What do you think? Then I would report back and. And I got started getting more feedback. Well, you know what? That improved me dramatically as a as a as a uh, as a teammate. It right. improved me dramatically as a leader just because I asked. And people have to have the courage to ask, but it has to become an expectation and part of the culture for that to happen as well. But that's a part of what I do. So great that. Oh, that's awesome. That, that yeah. de- demonstrates humility in asking for feedback, and then as I see you making adjustments based on the feedback you're receiving, it opens up that door for more. I go, ah, Michael's actually interested in it. He's not just giving it lip service and just checking a box for asking for feedback because he thinks that's the right thing to do as a leader or as a teammate, but he's actually interested in becoming better. So, um, man, I, I, I wish we had more time to go through through all of these. Michael, we, we've hit be selfless, be trustworthy, be humble. There are three others that you'll have to read the book to, to get into Again, the name of the book is You Are the Team, Six Simple Ways Teammates Can Go From Good to Great. Michael, for those who are interested in in, in this, the, the newer book, the, the second book you talked about, you, you mentioned, or maybe potentially chatting about you speaking to their team, how would they get in touch with you? So you can go to my site, michaelgrogers.com, and it's not Michael Rogers because there's some illusionist or something like that that uh, is, is uh, Michael Rogers, but michaelgrogers.com. Um, you can get the book, you know, obviously everywhere books are sold, both books. Um, and you can contact me as well if you'd like it, michael at michaelgrogers.com as well, michael at michaelgrogers.com. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks, Russ. Hey, everyone, a couple of quick things. First, you can watch the interview you just listened to. Yeah, the link to watch it on YouTube is in the show notes in whatever podcast app you're listening to right now. You might want to forward that link to friends or colleagues that would find it useful as well. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, just tap on that subscribe button. You'll get two new great episodes each week. And finally, I want to invite you to our private Facebook group. I spend time there in between the episodes. It's for leaders like us. You can access it by going to theculturehacks.com.